Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode number 83 of the Fitness Devil Podcast. Today, we've got Melody Schoenfeld on here. She's going to talk with us about her authentic rawness to her social media versus being overly curated. We talk about how she was had an article rejected from a vegan magazine because she didn't use cherry-picked data to support what they wanted. And she's got a couple speaking events coming up pretty soon in Spokane, Washington, now in a couple of weeks, and Kansas City, the Fitness Summit, may all be at both of those. And uh, she doesn't really feel good about sharing gym fail videos that make people, that could potentially make people feel ashamed. So she gives you her thoughts on that. Hopefully you'll love this episode. Stay tuned. Shut up and sit down. Well, hey, everyone. <laughs> Welcome back to the podcast. Uh, this week, we've got Melody Schoenfeld joining us. Uh, Melody owns Flawless Fitness in Pasadena, California. And uh, welcome on the episode. Welcome on the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. He screwed up the intro yeah, for once. Good. That's a first. He screwed it up. Uh, everyone <laughs> I have to on men. I just make them screw up intros all the time. Can well, they're, they're afraid that you're going to like physically break their bones because I mean, if you can take metal objects and bend them over the way you do. So guys, if you don't yet know who Melody is, we, al- we almost have to send you to her Instagram. And it, what, what is it? Is it five? Five feet uh, of fury. Five feet of fury. Like so she, well, it, it's actually your Instagram tagline. It says, uh, I lift metal, I bend metal, and I sing metal. You guys need to go and just look at some of the crap that she does at her size to actually like break apart metal stuff, and then you won't fuck around with her too much. You also pick up. I, I've seen a lot of photos of you picking up very heavy, larger <laughs> humans and lifting them and holding them up. So go check this shit out, and then you guys will see what you're dealing with. And you can pause the podcast, then come back, and then here's where we're gonna start. So we're gonna start with all the metal stuff. So. Um, we got an industry that's just fully curated social media pros. Uh, I notice you more and more, and I'm kind of like, oh, fuck, I can't even do this stuff. Um, but your, your social media is actually pretty raw. It's pretty authentic. You don't look at it and go, oh, you can tell that she lined up all the posts on the left side to look the same, and then the middle, and you're not sitting in restaurants with this perfectly no. filtered photo. It, it's real. No. So is this conscientious or just natural evolution of all your varied interests or I just can't be bothered. <laughs> I just can't be bothered that kind of time. And like, you know, honestly, I don't think people, I'm, I've never been a salesperson. I've never been a, you know, it kind of drives me nuts. I live in Los Angeles, which is like the look at me capital of the planet. Yeah. And it kind of drives me nuts when I see these people walking around with their phones on the front of them, like doing the, like, I don't know what the hell they're doing. They're doing the thing, you know, the thing that they do with the phone where they're like, they're on social media 24 seven. And I, I just can't be bothered. Um, I, I can't be bothered with filters. I can't be bothered with any of that stuff. I just kind of the stuff that interests me. I'm like, maybe that'll interest somebody else. And that's that. Like, I don't it seems care. pretty dangerous to do that too. <laughs> I don't too. care if I get 20 likes or 10 likes. Or I, don't I, care. I always think about people <laughs> when they're holding their, their microphone or microphone, their camera. Like, it seems so dangerous. Like, I'm yeah. waiting for someone to get hit. Like, yeah. I don't want someone to get hit, but like, that would make a great live. Just because like, I feel like someone's going to get hit by something. Like, you see it everywhere. And I can't, I can't imagine LA, the amount of people there. Like, in Canada, we see it. And there's like, hundred times the people. 
I wonder how many people are like live on their Instagram story and then get hit by a car as they're walking across the street. Oh, I know. Well, it's it happens. Like you really? know those. Um, who was it? It was like some Instagram or some social media celebrity was taking pictures on a train track or something and got hit by a train a couple what? years ago. Remember that guy? I think yeah. We've yeah. seen we've seen stuff where actually was that was that Greg Plitt the the like the long time no, fitness pro? No, I don't pro? think he got hit. I want to say that's who it was. Really? Yeah. yeah, it was. Yeah, I thought he was Greg doing Plitt a stunt. Because, um, yeah. I think I think, but I think it was being filmed or whatever. I mean, like a big, the guy is a legend. He's really cool. But I'm pretty sure he was killed in one of these sort of things. I don't know if it was live Instagram per se. <laughs> I was going to say I think we're something geared towards that. I think we're screwing yeah. that up. I don't think he was doing like a selfie walk, but maybe. Yeah. Well, oh, the we just... death by selfie thing is kind of like there's a lot of them. <laughs> there's a lot of deaths by selfie. Well, our, even our friend so. Uh, Guys, uh, for those listening, uh, before we were on air, um, Michael Dutrick, who just happens to be at Evolve with me, he if you are listening now, he was our last episode, so you should have already heard this. Or if you haven't, you can go back and listen to it, but he's cool. So he's always hiking up in the mountains, and he's told us stories about like trying to get pictures and, and being in certain places. That gets pretty scary. And yeah. he's talked a couple of times about nearly falling off a ship. So Yeah. That's some freaky, pretty freaky stuff. I, I avoid that sort of stuff at all costs. I don't like heights or standing in front of moving vehicles or, or being sure. up in mountains. That so. is not a risk I'm willing to take. <laughs> Let's talk about even like the metal stuff. I'm kind of fascinated. Like, uh-huh. what the hell got you into bending metal? Because everyone who does <laughs> has like an interesting story, but like it's not something well, you just cho- choose. You know, it really was just um, I started hanging out with uh, Bud Jeffries, who's somebody who's a performing strongman. Um, and he started teaching me how to do it. And that's just kind of where it started. Um, and, uh, it, I discovered it was something that I enjoyed a lot. Um, and, uh, so I just kept with it. Are you? Um, It's an expensive habit. (laughs) It's a painful habit. You end up with a lot of bruises. Um, when I started bending nails a lot, I started going numb through my hands and my arm, um, because it's very, very nerve intensive. Um, you have to not really care a lot about pain and discomfort if you're going to do that stuff and it's expensive <laughs> Shit. but um you know i just like it, I like it is there like an ideal body type for it like you know like power lifters you want to be like a certain like you, you suck at bench if your arms are long like are you at a, like, an advantage because of your size i'm a 104 pound vegan i would say no, no? <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, you know most of the most of the people who do this stuff are like you know 300 pound men um, and the women who tend to be much much bigger and heavier than I am, um, so I think maybe leverage wise I might be at an advantage. But the amount of poundage of pressure that I put on these things in order to tear them apart or make them bend or whatever, I'm not at an advantage. I kind of you know mask the mask the bone ratio, I guess. I don't know if there's a technical term for that. Well, I guess you can build strength and bone mineral density and, of course, proficiency yeah. at this sort of stuff. So, obviously, you've developed the skill at it and the strength. It's just yeah. something you build up to, you know. I mean, I don't, I don't, I doubt that I, well, I don't like to say that, but I, I feel like I probably will never be able to bend a red nail because I just, it's not designed for people who look like me, you know. But that doesn't mean I'm going to stop trying. I'm, I might get it, you know, you never know. So, can you rip apart phone books? I do. Because oh, yeah. somebody has to. <laughs> We've, we've got a friend here. He's uh, kind of legendary for this stuff. And funny enough, he's about six foot two and 300 pounds. Uh, uh, and yeah, so my buddy Jay Smith, yeah, Jay yeah. rips apart. He'll take a, an Edmonton Yellow Pages and shred it yeah. like it's a single piece of paper. 
Uh, Ben's horseshoes back on themselves, rolls up frying pans, yeah. this kind of crazy crap. Are the, are the so, phone yeah. books bigger in LA? Or do they have multiples for like areas? Because like ours phone book is not that big. Yeah, but you know, the phone books are also, you know, the thing about even the horseshoes, the phone books, the nails, they're all vary in quality. And so sometimes it goes super easy and sometimes it sometimes it's a it's a trip. You know, like I've been able to tear fifteen hundred page phone books without too much trouble and then I've had trouble with a thousand point page phone books, it just depends on the quality of the paper. Depends on which direction you bend it in, too, because if you go against the, the paper, it's harder. Um, and then, you know, the horseshoes are all different quality. So I'll take two of the same exact horseshoe, and they both bend differently because of the quality. Yeah. We... And even the license plates, the license plates are all different. Sometimes I go through a license plate like it's butter, and sometimes <laughs> when I go through it, I can't halfway, so it just depends. Are we still going to have phone books in the near future? Because it's kind of like uh, phone booths. And I was talking yeah. with, with someone recently, it's and I've seen this meme. It's like, you know, maybe the reason why phone booths are disappearing is because we actually do live in the matrix and it's, they're making it harder and harder to get out of the matrix. I think we should bring phone books back, phone booths back though. Um, you know, <laughs> this is an unpopular opinion, but I think they would make great places for people to smoke <laughs> because <laughs> and you don't know what else is going to breathe in the smoke and you don't have to be exposed to the elements like when they go outside and they stand outside and smoke. Yeah, smoke I think booths. Give smoke yeah. booths. I bet that would be like a pretty good like venture i think, I think, it'd, make, so. I think it'd make money for sure smoking and bubbles yeah you have sure? to like deposit smoking a coin bubbles. to go in go into a smoking bubble hang out in there right? absolutely and then i don't have to breathe it and i can still talk to you like on the other side of the glass <laughs> oh man the world would be a different place you know what they probably have that in japan like for sure there's probably some, it's probably already out Canada's going the other way. I mean, I don't know what the laws are about walking around smoking pot because obviously it's been decriminalized, legalized, yeah. basically. So I don't, I don't think I've seen anyone walking around in public like with a, a joint sparking up and smelling oh, it. Have. But, <laughs> but it might become more common. So yeah, it's it's you can smell it in a lot of the places where I walk around here. I smell it a lot. So I'm I'm good with the phone booth idea with that too. You can hotbox yourself. Great. It's a great idea. <laughs> We'd have to word it differently. We couldn't like push smoking weed recreationally, but we could definitely like call it something cool. I think and then right. there's there's also the uh, the singing metal. So do you and Mike T. Nelson hang out and talk like hardcore metal? What's that all we about? Do. What's that all about? We do know. <laughs> I talked to Jason Leonard about it. All kinds of people. Um, I I'm a huge heavy metal fan. Um, I sing for an Iron Maiden tribute. Um, I sing for a couple original projects right now. I'm, uh, I just started with a uh, with a Celtic metal project, which is really freaking cool. Um, we're gonna be playing um, we're gonna be playing Fremont Street in Las Vegas on St. Patrick's Day. So yeah, that's gonna be fun. Were you on Spotify? I remember seeing I something. I remember seeing that. So you're like yeah. legit. Like we're on Spotify too, technically. But I don't think it's yeah. like the same. I don't think it's the same thing. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, a little different. That your spoken word. Um, I have a couple things. I have one song that I wrote that's definitely not metal. It's on Spotify. I have a song that I did a metal version of Whipping Post that's up there, and then a couple songs that I recorded with my friend's recording project called Three Ring. Those are up there. I did three songs with him. So I have a couple things. A couple things out there. You like to do everything. You know, not everything. Can't pee standing up. No, um, not yeah, no, I was going to say, you, you could figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, 
let's go like make fun of vegans. <laughs> but um, but we, we started with metal and then let's go to veganism. But we kind of we kind of like to dig up shit and then talk about it. So like you wrote a post detailing how you wrote an article for a vegan magazine and it literally got rejected because you cited peer-reviewed research stating vegans need supplementation. Um, that kind of leads us to like, what are your thoughts on the use of cherry pick da- data and the deeply entrenched dogma in certain corners of our industry? Veganism yeah, including. I'm, <laughs> I'm not a fan of cherry picking. Um, <laughs> you know, when I wrote my, I wrote my book because I, I, I felt like it was information that needed to go. And um, it was, it, the, most of the information that's out there has been cherry picked. It's extremely biased. It has a goal to turn you vegan. I don't have any skin in the game. I don't care if you're vegan or not. Um, I care if I'm vegan. I don't care if you're vegan. That's not my goal. Um, and so when I wrote my book, basically I got um, I got Jose Antonio and Mike Israel, two decidedly non-vegan people in the nutrition industry, uh, to look through and make sure that my stuff was not biased and stuff on because I didn't want to put out, you know, because you may have an unconscious bias. I, I wasn't sure. I just wanted to make sure what I was putting out there was was least biased most truthful thing that i could put out and so that's what i did um i um i have been rejected from a vegan magazine because they basically said we don't want people to think that they have to work to be vegan and um and they're not going to turn vegan that way and so their goal is to turn people vegan and make it look like it's super easy but the 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 other side of that coin is you're going to turn a lot of people vegan the wrong way they're going to get sick and they're going to say veganism makes you sick and i'm done so that's kind of, you're shooting yourself in the foot with that one, you know? So, I am H-O. Yeah, like that's... You both froze on me. Just yeah. Little... Oh, there you go. Okay. There we go. We're back. We, we if, if For anyone listening, we I, I was just messaging Andrew. I was like, mute your microphone so you can unmute it when you talk. Because we got a three-way chat this time. Usually Andrew's here, but... Yeah. So, so you basically hate cherry pick data. I'm not a big fan of, you know, I don't like bias. Okay, so here's the thing. I don't care what you believe. I don't care what you do as long as you don't hurt anybody else and as long as you don't try to force it on me. And so that's how I try to live my life. I don't try to force my stuff on other people. This is my stuff. This is what I believe. And you believe what you want to believe. And as long as we're not hurting anybody, we're good, you know. Um, And so that's, that's, that's my personal approach to life. I don't like to. And I don't feel that trying to force somebody through kind of, shady tactics is really the way to do to, to do things either so if you want to convince someone of an opinion explain to them why why you are passionate about it don't try to turn them into a bad guy don't try to tell them that they are wrong this is, this is why i do this and you have your opinions and your opinions may not match up with mine but this is why i do this and this is how i do this and um if you choose to do what i'm doing this is what i recommend that's pretty much it do you think um Andrew, you there? Uh, I'm here. Okay. I'm just staying muted. Oh, he doesn't even want to talk, but I was going to say, like, do you think I that... you in real life. That would come in handy. I'm sorry. <laughs> Continue. No, I, I was going to say, like, usually when, with the cherry picking comes, like, um, an intention to either blow something up or spread something. So do you think sometimes the cherry pick data has good intention? Or do you think, like, it... it I guess, when is it okay to cherry pick or is it? You know what I mean? So, like, someone's trying to push something good, so they cherry pick something to get a good message, but, like, that might not be the best way. Your message may be fantastic, but if your data is faulty, I feel like you're duping people. 
And I, I don't think people should be duped. I think you should, people should have all of the information and then make their choices based on that, you know? Um, and so, so regardless of your message, your message may be the best message in the world. If you're using biased information or, or, or half truths to, to try to convince somebody of your opinion, you're, you're doing it wrong. Um, let people make their own decisions and give them all the information and then they can decide on their own. And if you're, and if your stance is the correct one, chances are most people will kind of go that way or, or at least partially that way. But, um, you don't have to fool people or, or terrify. That's what usually people go for fear, right? They terrify people into thinking that if they don't do what they want them to do, then they're going to be harmed as a result. You know, I've seen, there's a really good example of this, that, um, I read a book called Factfulness by a gentleman named uh, Hans Rosen. I love that book. Love that book. So you probably know this reference where he actually details how Al Gore approached him and tried to get uh, Hans to get on board with a lot of overblown and very sensationalized fear-based claims about climate change. Now, mm -hmm. I'm not going to get into the ideological aspects of that outside of the fact that the science seems pretty clear. We'll just leave it there. Yeah. But Hans wouldn't get on board with basically falsifying, overblowing it and creating fear around it um, right. because he believed in, you know, an honest approach, uh, letting the facts speak for themselves. So yeah. there's a good example of that in practice. And I mean, if you want to look at it, I mean, Gore said a lot of stuff and a lot of predictions and, and those predictions have not come true. That does not negate the message that is important, nor is this what this is about. Mm. But uh, I think there's an inherent danger in lying, falsifying, overblowing this sort of stuff because you leave your argument at, at a honorable as your <clears throat> goal may be open to a lot of criticism and attack by the opponents the ideological opponents who uh, have a vested interest in beating you and that's going to be true of vegans uh, yep. it's one of the problems with a lot of the vegan quote propaganda we see with uh, these documentaries mm -hmm. uh, they're they're some of the worst offenders for cherry-picked data out there and they leave themselves very openly exposed to a lot of attacks by people who have an issue with veganism and guess what to each their own i i, I agree with you that they are bad offenders i don't agree with you that they are the worst offenders i think that Good there point. are a lot of bad really bad offenders out there like that in, in addition to vegan i'm not saying that vegans are innocent because they're not um and it pisses me off but look the ketogenic movement um the um the low carb movement um, that is hugely, and and then the people pushing the MCT stuff, coconut oil, all that stuff, you know, all of that stuff. And, you know, anytime somebody brings up a superfood, you know, all that stuff, I mean, it becomes like that, this whole, um, it, it always becomes a propaganda machine. Whenever somebody jumps on a bandwagon and they can sell a product for it, or they can make some kind of a profit for it, um, or, or it's just something that they just believe so strongly and they need you to believe what they believe because they can't handle you having a different opinion, you know, um, and then it becomes a, a propaganda machine. That's the one thing vegans will have for a long time is what the hell you, yes. you guys got the A-bomb for the yeah. a good two years, but, which is just like, do you think that they believe it or do you think that it was prop? like, I guess, what are your thoughts on that? Machine. Yeah. It's, that's one of those things where they're like, if you don't become vegan, you're going to get cancer. That's basically the message of that movie uh, in a nutshell. Um, and it terrified, it did its job. It terrified people into becoming vegan. A lot of people converted to veganism as a result of that movie. How many of them are still vegan? Probably 1%. Yeah. You cannot sustainably convert somebody on a fear base. You can't. And, and, and it, and it's, and it's a shame that they're trying because when it ends up doing is it ends up giving the movement a bad name, 
Yeah. Because people will get sick or people will get frustrated. Um, they don't know how to do it properly and, and, um, and they're in the going in with bad information. And so then not only do they sit there and say, it's, you know, veganism makes me sick, but they also say vegans are liars. Uh, vegans are propagandists and it's unfortunate, very unfortunate because there are a lot of benefits to a vegan diet. It's not the only way to go about things, but there are a lot of benefits to it. And that was the one thing I saw when I saw that movie was like, I was like, fuck, they just fucked over all some of my good vegan friends. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's all I saw that I'm like, oh my God. Totally, totally, totally. Yeah, it's unfortunate, really unfortunate. Yeah, no, you know what? You were talking about um, the, the fact book. Another uh, book that I, I really like is um, The Science of Fear. Um, the Science of Fear is, uh, and there's a couple of books on that same subject, but I think totally worth reading because they give you perspective on media bias. They give you perspective on propaganda and what this kind of thing. It gives you a lot of perspective of how people use fear to manipulate you into believing certain things or selling a product or things like that. It's really, really worth checking out. Um, reading any book around, around the science of fear is, uh, cause there's a few of them out there. I'll actually, I just made a note of that. And I think that's worth looking at this. Some of this conversation reminds me of something I just posted last night and it got a few people involved, like Mike Isertel weighed in on it and a, and a few yeah. other uh, people in our industry. And it's uh, the book Roar by Stacy Sims, who's a PhD. <clears throat> so I'm partway through it, and I it, it seems really, really good. A lot of good training information, a lot of good stuff about women's training, hormones, uh, menstrual cycles, menopause, you name it. And then she gets to nutrition. Holy mm -hmm. fuck, she goes full potato. So she makes a lot of really <laughs> problematic claims, and some of this stuff is fairly innocuous. Uh, she's recommending liberal use of branched chain amino acids which they're largely useless yeah um She's she mentions how people should consume uh, organic food because it's pesticide free that's patently false she also mm -hmm. says how fasting will cause women to ultimately gain weight because it's going to increase cortisol levels long term and that's going to lead to adrenal fatigue and i mean that's what? just a pile of i didn't read that part that that's doesn't interesting theory that's a pile of crap that's actually really crazy. yeah so there's a there's a few things so this nutrition chapter and, and she actually makes statements that sort of clearly implies that calories don't matter in, in places and how like food quality matters more that's a nuanced conversation but so there's a whole heap of problem stuff so it seems like she really goes outside of her scope and her knowledge base uh so i think the book is actually a really good book and i'm going to continue reading the rest of it I think books like that could be a good exercise in learning, being able to decide for yourself what is good information and what is problem information. But I think that people need mm -hmm. to take that nutrition chapter with a very skeptical lens and probably discard mm -hmm. most of it. So either way, but yeah. um, I what's mean, the problem, man? Like, anytime you read about nutrition in a book, you should take it with a grain of salt. Because <laughs> um, chances are it's going to be fairly biased and fairly wrong. Um, sometimes there's great information. But for the most part, check your sources, man. Check it because there's some bad or faulty information out there that's super convincingly written. Well, and, and only oh. from one point of view for a long portion of your, like for the whole read. So if you're in, in the book for 10 hours, you're just hearing one voice the whole time, which can be a bad thing. Um, can be a good thing. Yeah. Whenever somebody tries to back up their argument with a book, I, I don't consider that a valid I don't consider that valid. Valid. Show me science, you know. Show me case studies. Um, 
great, but don't don't show me a book. That's somebody's opinion, and that hasn't been peer reviewed, as far as I know. You know, unless it's a I would, find, I would find it very ironic if you weren't particularly evidence based in your approach, considering that your brother is one of mm -hmm. the most preeminent researchers, peer reviewed researchers in exercise physiology. So if anyone's well, no. not familiar with Brad, he's definitely up there. Yep. Um, I, I actually did get to meet him in January. I flew down to Dallas, and I also met Jose Antonio, who you mentioned. Mm -hmm. And we all sat down, had dinner. I met Lane Norton, and, a, and Sohi Lee was there. It was a really cool experience. Mm -hmm. So that actually leads into our next thing. And you're speaking at two events. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'm, at, I'm attending both uh, the Inland Empire uh, Fitness Conference in Spokane in mid-April, mm -hmm. and then the Kansas City Fitness Summit in early May. And I went to both last year. Mm -hmm. And I'm a big, big, big believer in the value of these kind of events. Uh, just attending them and the people I've met has been wonderful for my career. So I guess... What would you tell fitness professionals who haven't gone to one of these events ever? Um, and let's see, what has attending these events done for your career? Well, I think people are hesitant to go to a lot of these things for, for a couple of reasons. Um, number one, they're, um, they're, they're not cheap. I mean, you have to take time off work. You have to usually travel. You have to pay for admission. You have to pay for lodging. You have to do all that stuff. Um, and, and I think that there's also a, um, feeling that it's, it's, it's not going to do anything for you. Um, for me, the education that you get based on the quality of the speakers is huge. Um, and, and you don't see that kind of quality often. Um, so, so I think that part is important, but I think more important than that is really the networking. Yeah. Um, honestly, um, you, you get a lot of opportunities through the networking process and you meet other people in your field. And, and my experience, honestly, with personal trainers, if I never went to any of these events, I would hate every personal trainer. Like I have not had good mm -hmm. experiences with personal trainers as a general rule. That's why I have my own studio. I don't work with anybody. I don't want to. Um, I have met some of the best people in the industry, like good people, um, truly good people as a result of going to these. And it's changed my opinion of the, of the people I share this career with. And so um, I think that's that in and of itself has been invaluable. I would agree completely. Like I think my whole last year has been set up from seminars and meeting people in the context through that. And I don't think that would have And we're in Canada. So like we're kind of isolated a little bit, but mm -hmm. it was one of those things where like Andrew was like, ah, oh, you got to come to KC. And I was just like, shut the fuck up, Andrew. <laughs> like, yeah. just like, but then we went and it was like awesome. So it's like one of those things where like, I don't think you know the value till you're there. But I mean, I don't think there's many people that go and don't speak highly of them. Even if they don't see half the speakers, it's like everything else. It's all the other yes. stuff, which everyone remembers. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I guess there, there were some incidents last year at a few conferences and that may have caused people to not want to go but the fact of the matter is those incidents have been addressed yeah um and so that shouldn't discourage you from going um not not only should it not discourage you from going it should encourage you because it's been addressed like it's not like it's been ignored and glossed over it's been addressed and so you can be assured that you're gonna you know you're not gonna go there and become uncomfortable or anything like that you know well it's kind of nice that there is um it's kind of nice that that stuff's taken care of because like now that all everything's kind of out in the open and stuff's happened and we know yeah. kind of the lay of the land, it kind of just makes it a better environment for everyone. Um, it does. And there's a heightened awareness yeah. of this kind of thing now. And I think people are going to be less afraid to report and more interested in making sure that everybody feels good about, you know, 
the people who are there. So I think if, if anything, it's actually done good things, you know? Yeah. You both mentioned networking. I think that's probably the, the single greatest benefit I've experienced from it. You know, when I brought Dean down to Kansas city last year, he got uh, plunked in front of Mike T. Nelson. They are all mm-hmm. buds now, and that's done a lot for his career. And then getting to link up with a stronger you guys has led to a really cool opportunity. So he's built, uh, him and Anthony Harder, his partner, built the Stronger You training, group training platform online. And so that's yeah. been nothing short of incredible for his career. So my career has <clears throat> flourished in every way imaginable just because of going to these kind of events. And mm-hmm. I have friends across the continent now as a result of this. And what you said about meeting personal trainers who you end up respecting and like it shifting your viewpoint of what we see in the industry as a in in a way more positive way you're 100 Mm percent right about that there's so Mm -hmm. many people i think about like guys like johnny t who is just such an awesome dude he's i love him and he lives down the street from me oh shit really Really? yeah well the the way i look at it is i can't remember who said johnny busy being a dad whatever i can't remember who said it but it was just like um, at this point, I'm just looking for more friends. And, like the, these events, because they have some cost to it, when people put their money on the line for stuff like this, they're usually pretty well intentioned and pretty serious. Like even if it is three hundred dollars, it's still like seven hundred dollars in, in travel, depending on where you're coming from. So like you're putting down a thousand dollars on the weekend plus lodging. Like yeah. they want to do shit. <laughs> and yeah. and it, it, yeah. I think that once you go to those things, you almost get addicted to it because you do see the good in the training industry that you don't always see in flashes of Instagram and social media and all the other bullshit that usually is not in those realms. I I haven't found that anyways. No. And I do agree. You have to kind of pick and choose which ones you go to, you know, especially if your time and your money are are limited, but at least go to one, you know, because if you're not willing to invest in your career, your career is not going to go very far. Um, And this is one of the best ways to invest in your career. In my opinion is to go to go to conferences where you respect the speakers and you you're going to learn at least one thing that interests you um and maybe one thing that you don't know if it interests you yet but you you'll you're going to check it out um i think you you'll come away with at least one one better idea you know uh one one more brain cell and uh and 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 quite a few new uh new contacts and new friends so you know unless you're a jerk so yeah unless you're a jerk <laughs> like assholes are just make no friends but like that's i think that's generally everywhere <laughs> I think this could also really inspire people to you know, reignite a passion. I'm not to say that it's necessarily fading, but I, I find these nice little boosts that make me go, fuck yeah, I got to do a little bit more of my social media. Yeah. I get a little bit more in love with and enthralled with what we are already doing as a career by doing this stuff. And yeah, it is a really fun time just to get together with now what have become old friends and, mm-hmm. uh, and have a few drinks and get to hang out and catch up. Yeah, plus we all get the opportunity to try to out-angle you, and I think that's important as well. It's yeah. pretty hard. Well, I mean, I, I did go down as what we would have thought was the biggest human at the Kansas City Summit last year. That's when the first time I met you. And we look over, and Stan fucking efforting is sitting in the back. So. I picked him up. <laughs> and the funny thing is, Andrew, Andrew like laughs, but he was like, I think I'm bigger than him. I'm like, fuck, no, you're not. <laughs> I never said that. You did. No, no. Yeah, you did. I remember it completely. Uh, Maybe it was Brett. Maybe I said like, no, you know what it was? It was Brett Contreras. I was like, I think Brett's bigger than you. And you're like, fucking no way. And I'm like, you know what? That's what it was. I was just joking. But I was, I said it all weekend just to plant the seed. And like every time I'm like, oh man, look at Brett. Like, don't stand beside Brett. That's a monster. (laughs) That's a freaking monster. 
very similar to Andrew. They both look like wildlings. Like, I know. Like, I know. They, you both do. Like Brett's got that stupid look on his face. I hear that all the time. Chad Landers is always messaging me about shit to do with uh, Tormund from Game of Thrones. Or um, yeah, yeah I, I get plenty of that shit. You do look like a. Yeah, I don't. Get, I don't get that at all. We sort of got the OSHA thing going on. Yeah, you got the heavy metal thing. Like that's kind of wildling-esque. Like the hair and like the yeah. I think you. I'm not. I don't even know if that's a bad thing, but. I guess we'll see when everyone dies next season. Who's 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 still standing? Um, okay, let's do fitness shit. Um, best advice for someone wanting to and perhaps struggling to make critical life changes. The real talk. Well, you know the thing about change is you have to be want, not just want to make change, but but ready to make change. Um, and you can want all you want, but if um, so, for instance. Suppose you want to stop smoking. I don't know why I keep bringing up smoking, but suppose you want to stop smoking. You both froze on me, so I don't know if you can hear me right now. You're good. Oh, okay, there you go. Okay. Um, suppose you want to stop smoking, and you know smoking's bad for you, and you're like, I should probably stop that. Like, I don't like that I do this. I should stop. But if you're not ready to stop, you will never stop. You have to be ready. So any kind of change requires not just the willingness to do it, but the but the but the readiness. Um, and so that's the first step, and then everything else is gravy from there. Something that I keep coming up against, I wrote a little bit on it myself, and James Fell's book just nails it, is <clears throat> creating a shift in identity where you're no longer relying heavily on willpower to do shit that doesn't align with who you see yourself to be. But mm -hmm. instead, you start seeing yourself as that more <clears throat> fit person. He actually mentions in the book, I guess there's research, that uh, people who think of themselves as non-smokers are more successful yep. than people think of themselves as ex-smokers. We had this conversation just recently with Kelly Coffee on her podcast episode mm -hmm. in the context of if that worked for alcoholics, and I'm not sure that it does, um, because I think for alcoholics, they have to keep firmly in mind that they're always at risk for this sort of thing. But then again, it's like, why would it be different between smokers and alcoholics? Um, that's the question. You know, I never thought about that. Because that's true. If you have a drug or an alcohol addiction... You are considered to always have that addiction. Um, with when, with smoking, you're not considered that. It's just like you're you're done. But maybe and that's so the, maybe that's the mindset though, because society think, is just, that's like not a, a hard fast rule, but it is. Yeah. That's a, I don't know. I suspect it lies somewhere within the fact that while we know there are adverse health effects of smoking, mm -hmm. and eventually they can become debilitating. Smoking in of itself as a habit is probably not a debilitating behavior. Whereas functioning with alcoholism and other drug use definitely is a very debilitating right. state to or live in. Or maybe with smoking, you don't get the neurological changes that you do with, with alcohol and other drugs. Could be. Could be. We're definitely way out of our depth, but it's a good thing yeah. to think about. But I actually do agree with the whole idea of not thinking about yourself as um, that that person. Or like, Again, I've, I've never been a smoker, but I can see how that logically would work. I yeah. definitely know from personal experience having major lifestyle shifts over many years that it's a lot easier to sustain nutritional and exercise behavior because they're very much part of my identity. Uh, whereas yeah. like in a, in a past life, just as a, a video, like a World of Warcraft junkie and not hitting the gym for a chunk of time and, and other things. Yeah, you are very much in a different headspace. And I, I remember how challenging it was just to eat healthy food and cook and, and you'll know, make time for the gym. So. I think a big yeah. fundamental shift in how you view yourself, really yeah. critical exercise. Like, Something that keeps coming up 
is this exercise of viewing yourself in the future. People are terrible at making decisions in the best interest of their future selves. People don't save money effectively. That's a big one. Uh, eating behavior, exercise behavior. But if you actually are forced to picture you in 20 years from now, I think they've done this as an exercise where they digitally age you. That is you in 20 years. And it creates this concrete image of this future person, humanizes the future you. People can be motivated to make like, positive changes. You're not, you're not a level so, 60 warrior fucking troll or whatever. Like, that's not what, yeah. you're six, that's not what you look like. Is that what you had yeah. to do? Andrew? What? You didn't get what my now? joke. I was wait- It was a warlock. Because your, your future though. self is not a, 60, a level 60 warlock. Hell no. So you had to get that out of your brain. By the way. <laughs> I said warrior. Fuck. Anyways. You said warlock. warlock no, but the warrior. first one I said warrior, and then I changed it because warlock sounded funnier. But You also said troll. I was a human. <laughs> now I forget what we're going. Ideas for helping people make lifestyle change. So what about in your work with your actual clients? Yeah, what was that sound? Um, Sorry, my dog likes to try to get in on this podcast sometimes. I apologize. That's okay. Oh, that's okay. He's like, He's got one too. he plays World of Warcraft too. So, <laughs> yeah, like with your actual clientele, um, you know, is there any sort of real world examples or just stuff that you find has uh, helped with some of the people you've worked with yourself? You know, the the kind of most common thing that I see in my in my personal clients that has instigated change for them is trauma. Um, they've either had someone close to them die or have a heart attack or something major, or they themselves have had some kind of emotional or physical trauma that have has forced them to reevaluate their life and they want to do something about it. It's not always trauma, but with my personal clientele, that seems to be the biggest driving factor for change. So it's like, I had a heart attack and I need to make a change or I'm going to die. Or, you know what? I just saw my friend's dad die of cancer, you know, something. Or I just saw this, you know, woman who can't pick herself up off the chair and I don't want to be that or something like that. Um, it's some kind of a trauma or, you know, or it's my spouse just died and it's time I took care of myself. Um, or, you know, or, you know what, I have had all of these traumatic experiences in my life and it's time that I paid attention to me now. So it's, it's a lot of that kind of thing. Here's a sort of an interesting question. Cause I, I think that stuff's really powerful. Uh, just because can the seeing a celebrity that we grew up with, Mm-hmm. something happened to them. We just saw Luke Perry of 90210. Yeah. He just had a stroke at 52. He died. I mean, that's insane. Yeah, uh, and, and you know, you, health conditions, I don't think. And I wasn't aware of any. I, we also oh. saw the lead singer of The Prodigy, uh, Keith, well, he 49. He committed suicide. So that's a, that's a yeah. whole different ballgame. But yeah. these are still terrible things. I wonder if these sort of things can get, because people post this stuff on social media and then all of a sudden it quiets down. But I wonder if that's enough to get people to think and go, wow, man, like Luke is 52. He wasn't very old. And he certainly well, wasn't know, over. So I saw somebody post that yesterday, actually, was it is really weird when I start seeing people my age die. Somebody started saying that and that makes makes me think. So I think that, yeah, it does. Uh, I think for sure. And it's more prevalent now because like it would take a like everyone knows about it instantly and it kind of travels a lot faster. Mm-hmm. Not to say that those didn't make impacts 20 years ago, but I think that it's a much larger impact because we see it more. 
Like we know yeah. more when it happens almost instantly with, with Facebook. I've seen people yeah. my age get sick and I'm 30. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and it, it, yeah. it does make me think every time that does happen and maybe that's just us growing up, but I don't know. Yeah. Well, you know, it's it, being in the, in the music world, um, I unfortunately have a disproportionate, disproportionate number of friends who have either died or almost died uh, at very young ages in, you know, over, over the last several years. Um, I, lose, I lose about 10 to 20 people in my circle every year. Um, and uh, it's, it's, it's traumatizing. And these are people between 30 and 50 for the most part, uh, 30 and 50, 30 and 55, something like that. Um, and it's usually a heart attack. It is sometimes cancer. It is sometimes something else. Um, but but it's just um, a lot of of unhealthy living um, is is the, is the driver of a lot of this. It's not always obviously. Baby, what are you? Sorry, my dog is tearing stuff apart. Um, but it's um, but it's it's not always a lifestyle factor. But I would say it's seventy five to eighty percent of the time it's lifestyle. Um, you know, I'm, my industry is full of people who don't what are you doing don't eat that i'm gonna eat my chicken um but anyway so so yeah it's and and it's stuff that could have easily been prevented and it's um and it's not because they're these are people who do not want to make a change aren't ready to make a change no they probably should but don't care you know um so that's what happens we mentioned suicide as well, and then I could be thinking of like Chris Cornell and Chester Bennington, and I think that stuff is also trickled down from lifestyle as well. So it's not just the the direct effects of, of lifestyle and, and alcohol abuse or drug abuse, mm -hmm. but I I would definitely think that the, a lot of these suicides are probably uh, definitely a, a later on consequence of lifestyle stuff and, and probably yeah. drugs and alcohol. Well, drugs and mental illness are cyclical. So a lot of times mental illness drives drug use and drug use drives mental illness and um, they, they kind of keep driving each other and it's a, it's, a, it's a tough circle to stop. Um, it just keeps going, you know. It seems like fitness, uh, I mean maybe it's just anecdotal but I think there's definitely a body of, of evidence that you could add up. Fitness is a good way to break that cycle. Obviously stepping into that realm is a challenging mm -hmm. one. Um, I, I like Diamond Dallas Page a lot. He's uh, if anyone's not familiar <laughs> with Diamond Dallas Page, he does uh, he does yoga, yeah, yeah. yoga, and yeah. he's a he's a former uh, pro wrestler, and he's helped a lot of wrestlers get off of the the train of drugs and the lifestyle that those guys those guys have legendary yeah. lifestyles. And they die young on mass, yeah. Yeah. so he's been a driving force for trying to help clean up that world and then yeah. <clears throat> help other people. So there's a really cool example of that. But. Totally. Also, um, oh my God, I was thinking of someone. Oh, Duff. Uh, you know, you know Duff, the musician. Duff McKagan. Yep. Yeah. Duff's great. He he basically replaced alcohol with exercise. You know, um, and and there's a there's a few examples of of musicians who have done that. Um, Nikki Six uh, from Motley Crue. Nikki Six, and also, um, oh my God, uh, 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 Phil Collin. Not right, Phil he, not Phil Collins. Oh. Yeah, actually, James Fellows talked about him. Uh, Phil yeah. Collins, the guitarist of Death Leopard. Yeah. Death Leopard. You want to talk about a band that did bad shit happening from excess yeah. alcohol consumption? Death Leopard yeah. wins that trophy, and no yeah. one's even Metallica yeah. don't even touch them. So yeah, Colin, I guess, gave up alcohol at one point, and he's never looked yeah. back, and he's super and fit he's and, and all about it. Like he was this far from death, and then he um, he just 
that was an example of trauma. It was basically, if you don't do this, you're going to die. And so now it's his life. You don't usually want to start off there, but I think that usually when people get there, whether it's some sort of big event or whatever awakens them, like essentially they wake up. And I think that, I guess that's kind of what we're all trying to do is wake people up to the fact that like, we're not saying crazy shit, like work out and eat right. You know, don't be as stressed, but like you still need to wake up to hear that message and hopefully it's easier than a big life event, but that's usually how it goes. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Sometimes the sometimes it has to be a major medical <laughs> occurrence yeah. to to change people's minds. You know, um, sometimes it's just they look in the mirror, they don't like what they see, and sometimes it's just they couldn't pick up their groceries or they threw their back out or whatever. But um, but sometimes it's something really really big, and and that's what it takes. But you know, as long as the message is received, you know, I guess it doesn't matter too much when it's received, as long as it's received. And as long as you you can rebound from from the incident. Okay, I think I want to. We, we should tackle the a fun one, um, since again we like to dig up shit. Uh, you mentioned dig not wanting. You, you mentioned not wanting to share Jim Fail video that ended up that ends up shaming okay. a w- women. So would you kind of yeah. elaborate on your thoughts on the popularity of these videos and kind of where people can go wrong with some of this shit? You know, it's something that I've noticed actually. On, on social media is people love negativity. They love it. Oh, yeah. They love to gang up on people. Um, they, and so if someone posts something like that, the responses, I mean, it'll be like 50, 100, 150 responses, just ganging up on somebody and, and, and laughing and making fun of them. And, um, and then the, the more positive things, they, they don't get that kind of response. Um, people love shitting on other people they, they love it I, I, um and i grew up bullied i've been bullied my entire life um i'm still bullied to this day um and uh not to the degree that i was but you know i mean i when i was a kid you know my neighbor threatened to kill me you know like all this stuff um but um i um i've been bullied my whole life and i don't like bullying other people i don't believe in putting other people down so that i can feel better about myself i don't believe that my that I am so superior to somebody else that I need to make an example of them or anything like that. And I don't really feel like it's necessary. Um, you know, there's some, you know, some, there's some dumb shit out there. Okay. And you know, sometimes it's kind of funny, but I don't really feel the need to jump on somebody and make them feel bad about themselves. So. Is that why you bring, you keep nails and I'm sorry to make light of a very serious thing, but you keep nails in your pocket. So if someone's mean to you, you pull the nails out and you just bend it in front of them and be like, That's, I'm going to do that. You I'm next. Keep fuck off. First people know what they're in for. <laughs> I'd put the nails like in my hands, like Wolverine and be like, listen, these right. are going in your neck. Like you've ever seen Logan. That's not what you would do. No, No. you know, honestly, I keep them in there because, uh, you know, if I'm in an airport or something and I get bored, um, but sometimes it's just like, what? Yeah. You get bored. Well, you you can't exactly bring them on the plane or through the the screening. Oh, I do. What? Oh, Oh, totally. No, explain this. They're they're not sharp. They're not sharp. It's a nail. They're, they're just like, um, you know, like maybe six inches long and they're blunted on the ends. See, I don't take like the one from makes the... Sense. I'm going to Costa Rica yeah. tomorrow and I'm worried about taking on like too big of sunscreen because I'll get because I want to do all carry on. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> you're taking in goddamn nails. <laughs> no, I carry them in my purse. I used to carry horseshoes, but they took up too much room. But those I got stopped for all the time. They were like, Why do you have a horseshoe in your purse? 
Okay, honestly, they stop anything weirdly shaped. Like, I used to have one of those supernova balls from, like, MWOD. Anyways, it's just, like, a ball, but it had, like, things on it. Every fucking time. Like, I swear, like, like clockwork. They're just like, where is it? Because I have this bag with, like, different pockets. Like, where is it? I'm like, where's what? They're like, this is the thing. I'm like, oh, like, my exercise ball. And then they're like, what's it for? What's it for? Oh. Yeah. They thought it was sex toys in all likelihood. Well, but, like, regardless, like, what's that going to do? You know, you can... You know, and I had one of those massage, those, those massage guns, like those little mini ones. I had that, like that's a no go. In terms, of, no, I gotta stop for having like a little, um, like a like a water pistol, like a tiny little water <laughs> pistol. I got stopped for it. It wasn't even, it didn't even work right. Like the plug didn't even work on it. <laughs> you can't yeah, bring that on. What are you thinking? Take that shit seriously. I, I just think about how things are now versus when I was a kid. So running around in rural Newfoundland in the woods with our friends, we had. <laughs> replica ak-47s and other like super realistic <laughs> looking guns which yeah. is great this shit was awesome yeah. i don't think they, i don't even think they'll sell that shit to kids anymore no it's illegal something else to get a, you can't have to get about with what's that you be? can't have guns you can't have replica guns and in public like that's illegal yeah well Maybe we used shot. to do that we used to run around with swords so that goes to what i was going to say so a lot of times i think a lot of the gym fail stuff is staged more so now than ever there's a video that, that everyone's sharing this dude, the dude with the sword. And so if you watch that carefully, first of all, that's the stage. Wait, wait. I don't think I've seen the dude oh, so with You need to Google right now, dude in the gym with a sword. So, so it's like legit. On an elliptical with a sword and he's stabbing oh, the air. Yes, no. I can't see that. We're just like stabbing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Totally he's on the assault bike and, uh, and he's doing like decline, the horse. Decline setups yeah. and stabbing the sword forward. You, yeah. you look around, there's no one else in the gym. No one is letting a guy into a gym with fucking samurai sword it isn't happening so this is a put on someone filmed it it went viral it's funny actually looks like yeah. it's like a couple of brothers that i know i don't i don't think they listen to this podcast so that's okay but it kind of looks yeah. like them so um and, and that's sort of their temperament like they would be totally the sort of guys who'd be cut loose in the, in the city with swords running around um yeah. so but that that is funny as hell but everybody shared the hell of it so i, I find that a lot of this stuff we we're so connected within the industry that everybody's posting this stuff and like I, people I know, oh god, and and I, I never want to be mean about this, but they'll send me on Messenger like, hey, this this fail video, and I've already seen it like eight times, so I'll politely go, oh yeah, no, I've seen that one, that's really funny, and I'm just like, oh sweet mother of god, no, I'm not, I I don't even watch this shit. <clears throat> Most of the time when people send me stuff, I don't even watch these gym fails yeah. because, like you said, I think a lot of it. Um, I have a policy. I I recently we we usually stay away from them, but I recently uh, saw the snake die guy. We. Fuck, the guy's oh, an interesting hey, hey, hey. guy because he actually he actually docked your brother on his Instagram account once, which is really fucked up. Yeah. So he was yeah. actually at the same gym as me. So I look over in the area. So I just post on Facebook, oh yeah, I'm at the same gym as this guy. So of course that blew up the thread. And mm. so one person, actually Science Baby, that um, Dr. Mon, she actually like picks or it didn't happen, right? And I'm like, well, actually, and I I have to do this from time to time. Like I will never take a photo of or a video of anyone in a gym setting. Um, mm that has negative intent or without their permission, right? Like just absolutely not as a rule. Doesn't matter. I mean, yes, if someone's running around with a gun, I'm probably going to film it. And what? I don't get shot in the process. That's different. That's your That's first in instinct is to film the guy with the gun. Man, you are. Yeah, that yeah. Might, be, might be useful in court later. But oh, okay. uh, outside of like physical Fair. violence, like two guys beating the shit out, then again, I'm going to go and intervene anyway. But no, I'm not going to go film stuff to make fun of someone. Someone's humping a machine in a weird way or... Or doing some because I if I if I go to a commercial gym all the time I like working out there and step out of my work environment 
and I see dumb shit there on a daily basis, like daily. It's yeah. it is not a day to step into a commercial gym without something that is probably gym fail worthy. Yeah. And there's no fucking way in hell I'm going to film any of this shit. I do occasionally make light of some of the things I see, but I'll never film the person and turn right. it into something fun on social media. But I try not to, I try to walk a line between not being nasty about it. If that makes sense. Yeah. Create entertainment, no, create a discussion. You stay positive. You're really I good about that. Positive. And, and I appreciate that. It's funny because there's there's a few people that don't like me and my message because I I tend to get a little nasty about some of the misbehavior of the the corporate gym chain stuff. And there's there's some history behind that. We'll, yeah. We won't go there. Uh, but some of the people who are still part of that camp, they would turn around. I, I mentioned this recently. And they're like, oh, I prefer to focus on the positives. Blah blah blah. And some of these people themselves, they they've done some problem behavior when it comes to like sexual harassment and other things yeah, like you're full of shit. You're a hypocrite, but I digress. I really, really don't think it's a good practice to film or take photos of anybody who, no matter how bizarre the shit they're doing in the gym is. Couldn't be bothered. And I, I think some of the over the top stage stuff, it's fine to share it. It's fine to have fun with the guy with the sword. Yep. Knock yourself out. But if you see someone who is pretty innocent and people are sharing it around. I just turn a blind eye. I pretty much just try to ignore it because I'm not going to contribute to perpetuating this stuff. Now, here's an interesting one. I want to get your guys' opinions on this one because it's it's in it's in theory a positive, but it did get some negative stuff. Is a young gentleman with cerebral palsy. There's a video of him deadlifting. Yeah. And so I'm curious to see your thoughts on that because I'm a little torn on that one actually. But I want to see what you guys think. I'll deal. Start with you. Think. Well, I don't have a problem with it. I mean, he's he's they're not filming him without his permission, first of all. True. Um, he knows he's being filmed. And number two, he has accomplished something that he is really proud of. I, I don't feel like it's a negative video at all. So I'm all for it. Yeah, as long as it was as long as the intent was fine. I mean, if you there's a the different intent. the di- there's a difference between filming a cerebral palsy deadlift and he doesn't know and they're making fun of it as opposed to it being yeah. Like the intention of like showcasing that success, but yeah, I don't know what he's showcasing that like you're, he he he's doing it anyway, and so maybe maybe somebody else who has cerebral palsy is maybe not going to be felt like they can't do it either, you know? Like they they're going to be inspired by that maybe. Yeah, no, I don't think any no one's sharing it as like oh let's make fun of this. The only place I I sort of give pause again it's just an honest an intellectually honest discussion of it is if anyone's seen it, and most people tend to be just across the board positive about it, we're, we're talking about some pretty risque form, to say the least. Yeah. And you pointed out, this is a young man who wanted to do this. Yes. So that's that's going to be heavily weighted positive. But if you do watch it, there is a pretty solid injury risk there present for someone who is already probably at greater risk anyway. And he so is I, going I'm, into this with that knowledge. Yeah, and I, and that's an important thing. Yeah, I think, like, whatever. I think that... And that's the thing. It's like, anytime you enter into any kind of a sport, you are entering it with the knowledge that you have some risk. My form is not perfect all the time, and I'm well aware of that. Um, And I don't know anybody whose form is perfect all the time. And if you have disabilities, your form is going to suffer as a result of that, and you're going to accommodate. But you, you should... I, be, I believe if you go into this, you are smart enough to know what your body can handle. And that's why I, I hate it when people tell me that I'm going to hurt myself doing what I'm doing. I'm aware that I have the potential to hurt myself, but I am also aware of what my body can and cannot handle. So if I do hurt myself, that is my bad. I did that, and I take full responsibility for it. 
But, you know, I'm probably not going to because I know what my body's capable of and I'm not going to put myself in a situation because it's not worth it to me. I'm not going to put myself in a situation where I'm going to hurt myself. So, like, the other couple of weeks ago, I posted this thing. Uh, I, I, I did a yoke walk, which I haven't done in a long time, and I'm excited because I now have a yoke in my gym that I didn't have before. And I was able to do over 300 pounds, which is a PR for me, and I was excited. And immediately some guy who I don't really know that well, he's some, you know, someone in the music circle who I've never really spent any time with. All of a sudden he's like, you're going to crush your spine and you're going to hurt yourself. And I'm like, I'm fine. I'm, I'm fine. And then he just kept arguing with me and he ended up blocking me because I was like, I was like, I don't need you to tell me that I'm going to hurt myself. I'm okay. And he's like, well, I know a guy who did doing that exact same yeah, thing. Sure. And I'm like, yeah, I know, you know, a lot of people who yoke walk, I'm sure. Um, but, um, but anyway, but he just wouldn't leave me alone. And then he blocked me because I didn't like, what is he? I don't know what he expected me to say. Oh, oh, okay. Well then I just won't do this. Any, like, what did he want me to say? I'm going to do it whether he wants me to or not. So I think the same as this guy, maybe he's at a greater risk than other people, but he's aware of that risk. He's got a coach. He's doing the best he can within his personal abilities. And he's willing to take the risk for the rewards. That's what it comes down to. And I think, no, that, I think like, that makes a lot of sense. Well, I was going to yeah. say, like, there's two things there. And generally, this is what happens with all this shit is that people have the assumption that the person in said technique or whatever, people who always give unsolicited advice, doesn't know anything. And then on the other end, they think that they're qualified. And there's a lot of people yeah. in the strength conditioning world that don't know shit. And then yeah. you're going to come to me saying that you know things like, most people don't know how to squat or shit anyways. <laughs> and now you're an expert coach who could do it online. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I just like, literally, I hate, I just don't think most people are qualified to give advice on most of that stuff. And then the and assumption honestly, that people don't know what they're talking about. Business, yeah. Even if you are, yeah. like if they didn't ask for your help, don't give them your help. No. Like if they need your help, they will ask you for it. But if somebody's just posting a video to post a video, Leave them alone. If you don't have anything good to say about it, then say nothing. Like you're fine. You you don't need to say anything. Well, we, said, yeah, we see that a lot in some of these uh, groups, and it's always very explicit. Like if someone has not specifically asked for a critique on form, don't offer it. And I don't yeah. think you can. I don't think you can go wrong by just not offering that <laughs> like, at all. Yeah. Because it, people offer the same shit advice anyways. Each training progress is pretty good at like having that environment where like people will ask for critiques or not. But I think like there is some unwritten rules because anyone who gives unsolicited advice, it never comes off. I can't even think of a situation where it comes off well. And if it is, mm -hmm. it's usually a PM where it's like a discussion, but like mm -hmm. nothing where you're posting on that because most people just want to hear themselves talk and want people to see that they know shit. Yeah. And I guess that's or me assuming that, but make you feel like you're inferior to them or something. I don't know what it is, but it's like, they feel like they're saving you from yourself. And you're not. You're. I'm gonna do this whether you want me to or not. So clearly. back off. <laughs> well, clearly, the no. people that aren't that want help are usually like, "Hey, does anyone like have any tips to offer?" Like, generally, yeah. that's how things go in the real world. I don't know. That's just. Yeah. It goes back to something that you said at the beginning, and, and I I deal with this sometimes with clients when they are at the gym and they want to push themselves, and I'll say, "You are accepting an, an inherent risk that something could yeah. possibly happen." We're going to yeah. teach you the best possible form so you can be as strong as possible. That it's a lot better than sitting on the couch being weak. And, and we know For bad sure. shit's happening here. For sure. I always use the analogy. If you are doing something you're passionate about and you enjoy, just as you described, then yeah. it's, it's like playing hockey. How many hockey players do you know who have all of their teeth? Right? Yeah. Like, would I yeah. tell someone, go play hockey because like, just here it's the best kind of cardio? 
no, I'm not going to recommend it as just a cardio modality. But if you love playing hockey, go play it. You accept the yeah. inherent risk of you're probably going to get some broken teeth or, you know, maybe a couple facial scars or some sticks or you know, God only knows what else. But guess what? People who do it love it. Look at powerlifters and strongmen. They are, none of them are ever going to be buried as pristine corpses. They are going to be torn the fuck up. They're going to get shit hurt. Yep. They'll come back. They'll keep training. Yep. They'll do it. And that's because they well, don't love it. Well, and it's a different mentality, isn't it? Because it's basically people who are elite powerlifters, they generally want to lift. Their, their only goal in life is to lift as much as possible, any way possible. And they do not care if they die as a result. Like literally don't care if it kills them as long as they have lifted the most weight that they can. I know so many people with that mentality. Like, I don't care if my arm falls off. Like, I don't care if I have a heart attack. I lifted the most weight. I'm good. You know? Um, and so, yeah. We Go can. watch the video of uh, Hafthor Bjornsson at the Arnold where he does an attempt at, I think it's 500 kilos. And he gets it up mm -hmm. a little bit, which is pretty impressive. No one's ever done it. Mm -hmm. And then, no, doesn't go. And you look and his face sort of exploded a little bit with blood, like in his forehead. Right. And yeah, that was, that was pretty interesting, but guess what? Yeah. That motherfucker is insane and he's cooler than hell. And he's probably living a yeah. way cooler life than, than a lot of the other people who might be criticized. Oh, he's going to hurt himself. If you haven't had a nosebleed squatting, you can't fucking tell me that's not safe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not, it's yeah. weird. It's a weird feeling. <laughs> yeah. That's actually that I, I tell my when they're training with me, it's like, you're the only person who can tell me how your body feels. And so if your body doesn't feel good when you do this, we're not going to do this. But you have to tell me that, you know. So, yeah. So you offered up a, a book earlier. You mentioned, uh, I think I wrote it down, what was it, The Science of Fear. Uh, so we, we, always, yeah, we always ask, you know, if there's any book that people recommend. So you can stand on that one. Or if you had something else that you felt, hey, everybody should go read this. It'd be really cool. Or a favorite book of yours. You know, you've got the opportunity to share it right now. You know, honestly, um, most of what I read is for is is not fitness related. Um, at most of what I read isn't because I just like expanding my mind, and I live in that fitness world all the time, and I'm constantly doing research and journals and this and that, and writing presentations and papers. And I like to read outside of that. And one thing that I've noticed, um, I, I meet so many people who don't read at all. And so I don't care what you read as long as you read because I feel like it's 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 a lost art, uh, and and I don't feel like people people try to expand their their minds beyond beyond their little bubble anymore. And so um, I just try to pick books on all kinds of different subjects. Um, I'm reading one right now uh, that's super interesting um, by this uh, psychologist who he wrote a book called um, the the man who mistook his wife for a hat. I forget the name of the psychologist right now. But um, I have that book that's on my list. And then this one is uh, called Musicophilia. And it's really interesting. I just started it. Uh, but it's basically about how the brain processes music. So it's like some people are born unaffected by music. They don't care. Um, and, and then some people have a, some kind of a brain trauma. And then all of a sudden, their appreciation for music appears and, and they become not just appreciative of it, but passionate about it. And they become pianists and they, they just want to go to concerts all the time and stuff like that. And it's just, it's super, super interesting. So, you know, but really anything that expands your mind, don't be afraid to read outside of your, your knowledge base, because there's, there's a lot of good stuff, interesting stuff out there. And crossover. Yeah. In weird places, you can find crossover in anything if you're kind of looking for the lessons or like the overarching themes. 
Totally. Totally, totally. Are you in the bathroom, Andrew? He is. You pull on nope. a bathroom podcast? Nope. He is. He's muting it. Are you peeing while you're on the podcast? Not I'm not editing that even out. If I, even if I were, it wouldn't be the first time one of our guests did that. Mike Isertel actually <laughs> peed on the podcast. The only difference is he didn't mute it because he's an idiot. And then he didn't think we could hear it because he's like, I was hitting the bowl, not the water. But then, like, at some point at the very end, he hit the water. He's like, you guys could hear that? We're like, yeah, we knew you were peeing anyways. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, see, then you know not to borrow that guy's laptop. Or Andrew's, I guess. Um, I guess. Oh, I like it. Now I have to pee on the podcast at one point. You froze there for a sec. I, it doesn't matter. Um, okay. Where do, where do people find you and consume you online and social media? Like, where's the best place to find all your stuff? Up my name, you can find me pretty much anywhere on the internet. <laughs> I'm everywhere. So it depends on how many pictures of my dog you want to see really is what it comes down to. Um, because my, my, you know, my, my social media feed is intermittently music, random strength stuff, and my dog, <laughs> my dog and my cat. So like, that's pretty much my, my feed. Um, and, and if, and if you, follow my Facebook, then that is also interspersed with weird articles and uh, puns. Um, so it depends on, on what you want to tolerate from me. Um, and then my, my Twitter feed is mostly science articles. Nice. So, uh, and then my YouTube is just mostly videos of me bending stuff or singing stuff. So uh, whatever you want to see. But if you look at my name, you can find all kinds of crap about me on the internet. I have nothing to hide. I don't care. Go ahead and look me up. <laughs> Well, we appreciate you coming on, and, and this is usually the part where I make a point of saying to everybody, guys, like, go, if you're one of our longtime listeners, go follow Melody's work, because we're not talking about another, not that our guests are this, but a cutout person with a high-level education nutrition who has no personality beyond it. We're talking about someone who actually does a lot of really cool shit. So, <laughs> I mean, how many, I don't think anyone else we've ever had on here literally bends up nails, let alone someone who's five feet tall and just over 100 pounds. Um, but there's a lot of there's, the there's a lot of knowledge and a lot of really cool information and training stuff on top of that too. So we're grateful you came on here, and we hope that everybody will actually go and you know check out your Instagram and and follow any of the other things based on you know what someone's interests might be. You know, go watch mm -hmm. YouTube if they like watching small women break metal objects. Uh, <laughs> and and just then, uh, comments because the comments <laughs> themselves are just amusing as hell. I'm guessing you probably get strange private messages too from men offering money for various different oh yep oh, facial expression. There yep. is a whole world of strong woman <laughs> fetishists who follow me and send me weird ass <laughs> creepy messages that I often share on Facebook. So you should, you know, if you like that's it, actually you know, probably like, worth the price of admission. Oh, totally. Can you crush man's skull with fingers? You know, like these kind of things. It's always like yeah. Yeah. Thousand bucks. Yeah. Maybe that's the new career. And I guess we can oh. leave off with we leave off with this too, guys. And you know, we mentioned these two events. Uh, one is in Spokane in the middle of April. That's the Inland Empire Fitness Conference, and then May Kansas City Fitness Summit, which is the, the kind of the big boy, the classic. These are both yeah. great. I'm I'm going to go to both of them. So if anybody's thinking about it who doesn't get out to network and spend time in front of the industry, uh, they're both really worthwhile events. Uh, you know, I I've gotten a lot out of these things. So I definitely mm -hmm. consider doing that. And you get to present twice. So the question is, are you going to present the same thing at both events? No. 
Okay. Uh, the Spokane conference, I'm, I'm actually going to be talking about veganism. I'm going to be talking about the science of it and how to do it properly. And then um, I'm actually doing a learn by do at, uh, at uh, the fitness limit. So that one's going to be all about isometrics, uh, which is what a lot of my, my training is based off of. So, so it'll be fun. I'm going to take you guys through a little workout. And if you see you in the airport, bend your nails. To. Say hi. Yeah, that's right. If you see me in the airport, ask for a nail. We'll, we'll bend. We'll bend some stuff. <laughs> well, Melody, thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Thank and you. Uh, we'll just log off. We'll chat really quickly off air. So, guys, thanks so much for tuning in. Shut up and sit down.